All right, we're going to be in Luke 18, starting at verse 1 today. Let's bow in prayer as we get ready for the word. Lord, we ask you to be with us as we look at your word. Guide and lead us. Help us to understand what you would like us to see from this section. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been praying for about a week and a half on how to deal with this, uh, this section. Uh, it's one of those sections where one part is too short, basically, to cover in, in a message, and two parts were too long. So I've opted to try to stretch out the first part and the second one as well <laughs> in two separate sessions. So we're going to be looking at Luke 18, 1 through verse 8. We're going to be looking at two stories about people's attitudes toward prayer. All right, over the next two weeks. So the first one is, the, is through chapter, uh, verse 8. And he spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for, for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest by her continually coming also you weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry, out, cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, the Son of Man come, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on this earth. This first one is the way a lot of people look at God. That God is so busy, he is running the universe, he won't care about us. All right? And this could be a very dangerous way to, pr- to think about God, because if we think this way, then what kind of prayers are we going to take to him? Very few. Now, and this is something, I've heard people even say this, well, I'm only going to take the big problems to God. Well, I'm, I question them on that, okay, what is a big problem for God? God created the heavens and earth from nothing, you know, Am I going to have a, a problem? Am I going to wait till my problem is so big that it takes an, an extreme miracle to accomplish, or am I going to take to him everything that comes my way because he wants to hear it? Jesus said right at the very beginning, he said that men ought always to pray and not faint. He encourages us to pray. Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you. So we should be praying, not on our knees with our eyes closed 100% of the time, but we should be instant in prayer. Now, how many of us wait until there's something big in our life and we'll go, well, God, you know, I can handle all the little things in my life and because you're so busy, I don't want to deal with, you know, bugging you. God, you're running the whole universe. You're running, you're running, all, you're running everything. You know, I don't want to bother you with these little things in my life. And this is something that is going to be very interesting is if we deal with God in that light, we won't be praying. If we're waiting for a big problem to come our way, then we don't want to pray. How much do we believe that God loves us? Is there is a question on this first, first prayer, prayer cycle. Is God going to be like this judge who says, uh, I know that I'm supposed to take care of the law and apply it correctly, but I don't care about God. I don't care about people. I'm just going to sit here in my office and enjoy bringing my paycheck to me and not, not pay attention to people. 
Now, the sad thing is our judicial system starting to get like that. Now, if you have enough money, you can buy your, buy your freedom. If you have enough good enough lawyer, you can buy your freedom. And justice is not valid anymore. And this is this judge here that he's talking about, this judge that was very prevalent even in Jesus' time. You know, we talk about this so often. There's nothing new under the sun. Now, what, has, what is happening has happened in the past. I was reading an article, and I was reading, reading an article in the paper, in the, on, the, on the computer, on the Internet, and, and it gave this great big study. They'd spent millions of dollars to prove that at the end of, a, end of the cycle of an empire, people get lazy and don't want to have kids. And it's like, okay, you spent millions of dollars to prove that at the end of an empire, people get lazy and don't want to have kids when you could have put, looked at the, the Egyptians, the Assyrians, the, the Babylonians, the, the, the Greeks, the Romans, and any other, the Aztec, any other, any, other, any other empire that has ever existed in all of history gets to the end of their time and the people get so into luxury that they don't want to be bothered by having kids. You know, it's like, okay, why did we spend millions of dollars to look at something that any historian could have told you? You know, we need to be looking at the scriptures. It's funny when we read the scriptures, if we were just to change some names and cities in the scriptures, a lot of times we'd be, people would be swearing that we're reading right out of the newspaper instead of the scriptures. And you'll talk to people all the time that'll say, why do you guys believe that old, ancient, out-of-date book? I'm going, well, because it's not ancient. Well, it is ancient, but it's not definitely not out of date. Everything that's happened is happening you know, and will happen again. If God tarries long enough, it will happen all over again. You know, we are returning into a world. You know, the term they like to t- talk about is postmodernism or po- post-Christian world. What I've told people is we're going back to a pre-Christian world. What used to happen before Christianity turned everything around is what we're returning back to because we're fallen from where God has put us. And this is something, again, we see all through the Bible. If you want to see this over and over again, read the book of Judges. God delivers them. They get into righteousness. They get into good power. Then they start sinning. They start falling. And God has to judge them and deliver them again. And eventually they go, God, help us. And God says, okay, I'll bring a deliverer to you. We are at this point in our country right now that we are coming down from our righteousness. And if people do not call to God, then destruction will happen. If we can repent and turn to God, then we will maybe be elevated back up to the nation that we used to be. One that followed God. This judge did not care about people. He says, this widow has a problem and I don't care about her. But... The scripture says that this widow came to him every single day and said, I want justice. This is the view that a lot of people have about God. I have to bug God until he gives me what I want. If that's our picture of God, then we have a very bad picture of God. What is our picture of God? Do we picture a God that stands up in heaven, and I've said this before, and he's got his baseball bat or his lightning bolts out, and he's just looking for us to do something wrong so he can... Can, can destroy us. That's the way a lot of the world looks at God. Sad thing is, it's the way a lot of people who are Christians look at God. And what does that kind of a view do? It kind of makes us afraid to do anything. You know, how many of you have ever been around a boss that you know, is just looking to jump down your throat for anything you did wrong or said wrong? You know, and then, you know, how do you feel? You really don't want to do anything. You're afraid to do anything because if it's wrong, 
they're going to rip you up. And that's the picture that most people have of God. He's just waiting up there for me to do something wrong so he can, you know, hit me with that baseball bat, throw, throw a lightning bolt at me and, and punish me. Now, God does have standards. He is a holy, righteous God, but you know, he's also a very loving God. And you know, the side, flip side of that is if you've ever worked for somebody who just says thank you for whatever you've done, you know, and is very thankful for everything that gets done, and they're going, I, you know, what does it do? It encourages you to serve and do things because, yes, they might correct you if you do something wrong, but they're going to be saying, I am just so glad that you did, you know, did this, you tried, you tried your best, now maybe we could do something slightly different. Do you realize that that's our God? God is not looking at us to crush us. He loves us. How did he show his love? When man fell, Jesus came to this world to become a man and, sin, and live through this, all the problems and die on the cross for us. Now that is a loving God. God is not like this judge who doesn't say, well, I'm just giving in because this person has bugged me so long that I'm going to have to give in. That is not our God. How do we view God as so important in this? Because Jesus said, you know, he says that the unjust says, I shall not, I'll give in because of this. He goes, but God shall avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, and that sh though he forbear long. One of the problems that people have, and I include myself in this, is God doesn't answer as fast as we would like. You know, most of us, when we pray and ask God for something, number one, we've waited so long that it's pretty bad when we finally pray. But how many times have you prayed and you've prayed something like, uh, God, I want this and I need this yesterday? You know, God, I really needed the answer yesterday, so give it to me right this moment when I'm praying. God does not answer our prayers the way we want him to. He answers them in his time his way the way that he knows is going to be best and there is also the fact that there is a spiritual battle if you read if you read in daniel where he's praying for something and gabriel finally shows up to him and says i started coming to you at the very first day of your prayer he goes but the angel of persia withstood me and he goes, it wasn't until gabriel came and helped that i was able to get through with the answer there is a spiritual battle going on around, this, around us. And I know lots of people are afraid of that kind of a thought process, but you know there are spiritual activities going around us all the time. We are at war in this world. Beyond all the wars we see and everything, there is a spiritual war going on around us at all times. And I'm glad we don't see it because we would probably be terrified if we saw all the spiritual activity going on around us. Because there is so much going on. We were talking this morning because I've mentioned this so many times. How many times on a Sunday morning do you have a very hard time getting around? You're going to feel a little sick. You're going to feel a little tired. Uh, when the kids were little, that would be when the kids would get into trouble. Uh, if you're married, sometimes that's the day that you'll end up fighting with your spouse right about the time and it's time to come to church. And you're arguing with each other and you come to church and you are not ready to listen to God. What has just happened to you? You have been under great spiritual attack. 
And we need to keep this in mind. Whenever God gives us something to do for him, the enemy does not stand still. I've warned several people when they say, well, I want to do something, serve in Sunday school, lead a ministry. And many of you have had me tell you this. I'm going, that is great. It's wonderful. I think you're going to do a good job at it. Be ready for the enemy's attack. The enemy will attack. When you step forward to do something for God, the enemy comes out and says, uh-uh, I'm not going to make your life easy for this. You're going to have to decide that you're going to stand for God. And this is where it's hard. And I've talked to several people who go, they get ready to come to a Bible study or something, and they feel just a little sick, a little tired. I don't, if it's happened to you, don't, I'm not looking at you necessarily. Because <laughs> uh, it's happened to me too. You know, you got a little cold starting your way. You're, you're tired. All you want to do is go to sleep. And, you, and 20 minutes after the Bible study would have been starting, you're like, oh, wow, I'm all excited. I've got all, all this energy in the world. I can go do something now. What has just happened to you? You've succumbed to the attack of the enemy. Why am I giving this? Because it is really critical. We are toward the end days. The enemy is not going to like seeing the remnant of the church stand up for him. Stand up against him or stand up for Christ. Why? Because we're now a remnant. We are not in a place where it is good to go to church. Now, people look at you funny that you go to church. They look at you funny if you say you believe the Bible. They look at you funny and, and say all kinds of things if you believe that there is an absolute truth that God gives us. And what's going to happen to us? The enemy is going to come against us. Are we going to stand strong with God, knowing that we're in a, in a battle? We're told to put on the full armor of God. Now, the, the thing about this, and I've heard so many messages, believe me, I've heard all the messages, and they go, you need to put on the armor of God daily and, and pray over each piece as you put it on. That's baloney, because that's not what the Greek says. The Greek says put it on and keep it on. All right? So when you put on the armor of God, you're to keep it on. When do people get hurt in battle? Is when they forget that they're in battle and they take their helmet off for a moment because they're all hot and, and sweaty. They take off their 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 uh, bulletproof vest and everything, and the next thing they know, they get a bullet between the eyes because they forget that they're in battle. When do we get hurt the most spiritually? When we forget we're in battle. We will be in battle until the day we die on this world and end up in heaven, and we're in the presence of God. Until that day, we are in a battle, and we need to keep our minds focused on Christ. And that means we hide in Christ. In Proverbs, we're told that God is a strong tower. The righteous run into him and they are safe. If we are where we're supposed to be, then we're safe. If we're in the tower in Christ, we are safe. When do we get in trouble? Oh, it looks pretty peaceful out there. I'm going to step out of the tower and I'm going to go, I'm here, and then we're going to get hit. We need to be aware of what we're doing at all times. This unrighteous man was, had to be bugged about it. God is saying, I love my children so much that I want to be part of your daily life. We're to be praying all the time. That means praying about everything. Now, we may not get the answers that we think we want, you know, and sometimes it's a good thing that God does not give us the answers that we think we want. 
And we look back and go, wow, God, I am so glad you didn't answer the prayer the way I wanted it answered because you gave me such a better answer. You know, uh, and I don't know, I've done this a few times in my life. God, uh, I think I want to have this. And God, it would really be good if you just put it on that person's heart because they've got lots of stuff and got lots of money. They could give, it, they could give the answer to me real quick and easy. Yeah. And we kind of laugh because you know, we've all done that at some time, told God how to answer our prayer. <laughs> you know, we need to get away from that idea and just say, God, here's my request. One of the things I've learned is I've watched God answer prayers over and over and over again is he's got a better way of answering prayers than I could ever have imagined. Ever imagined. And watch the way he answers prayers and go, wow, this is great. God, you had a better plan than I could have ever thought of. And we never know what that plan is until after the fact. But God loves us so much that he has a plan. And we can just keep putting our prayer up, putting our prayer up, putting our prayer up. And sometimes the answer might be that he's going to give us is, no, you can't have what you're praying for. And then people will go, God didn't answer my prayer. Well, last I knew, no is an answer. It may not be the answer that I wanted to hear. Because all of us are just like our kids when we would tell them no and they'd have their little temper tantrum that they didn't get what they wanted. We as adults do the same thing to God quite frequently. God, how dare you say no to me about what I think I really need. But we need to be very careful because no is an answer. Paul was told no. It said he prayed three times for the thorn in his flesh to be removed. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, Paul could have had a temper tantrum. God, I'm really tired of this pain, or whatever, whatever his thorn in the flesh was. I, I need it gone. He's praying about it three times, which means it's a pretty big deal to him. But, you know, sometimes God is saying, I just want you to deal with what's coming your way because that's going to help you in the long run. God could also tell us that now is not the right time. And again, I go back to when we would talk to our kids. Sometimes we know that what they wanted was not the right time. Dad, I want to take the car out and drive my friends around. Well, you've only had your license for two days. You're not taking the car out. Oh, that's terrible. Well, if you'd asked me in about a year when you've had a little bit of experience on your, under your belt, maybe you can drive your friends around with our car. God does the same thing with us. He says it's not the right time. Just wait. And then other times he says, yes, you can have what you want. Now, why does he do it? Because he knows what is right for us. You know, he knows the beginning from the end. He knows when something is not good for us. He knows when the time is not right for us, even though it could be something that can be good for us. And he knows when something is good for us. And we need to be able to understand that he will answer in his time, in his way. All right, and this is what Jesus said. He will answer speedily and he, that he will also forbear. He does things the way he wants to do. Why? Because he is God. And Jeremiah, we just talked a couple weeks ago that we are the potter. God can do with us as he wants. But what he wants is what's best for us. Even though we may not think it's best for us as he's bringing pain into our life, as he's bringing us time to say, wait, he says, this is what I want you to do. And we need to be able to keep this in mind. God's answer is always going to be the best. And he will sit there and he will give us 
our need. And then it says in verse 8, he says, I tell you that he will avenge you. Very important for us is so many times when somebody hurts us, what do we want God to do? We, we issue precatory prayers. And if you don't know what that means, that is calling God's full attack on them. God, you go get them. They hurt me, and I want you to go rip them, along, rip them, rip them up, uh, kill them, kill their family, kill, take everything away from them. You know, and in our mind, we're justified on saying that way. God, I got hurt. David was famous for those prayers. Each of the prophets at some point would make that kind of a prayer. Oftentimes, God, I am just so pain, in pain. Go get them. I don't believe as a Christian that we should ever pray. Uh, pray a precatory prayer. God tells us to love our enemies and do good to those who despitefully use us. But I can also tell you that I have seen in my years of, of walking with God, God defends his children. And I'm going to tell you that when, when I've watched people get defend, uh, uh, God's defense come in, I have looked at it and said, God, did they really deserve everything you did to them? I have seen a man who attacked a pastor and attacked a pastor. He did not listen to counsel and saying, stop attacking that pastor. His health disappeared. His wife divorced him. He lost his, lost his business, and two of his, two of his sons died. And I'm going, God, did he really need that? Now, I know that it w- God wouldn't have done it if he didn't need that much attack. But, you know, the problem is that it wasn't just him who suffered. It was his wife. It was his employees. It was his children. When God brings great precatory type answers to that person's life, it's not just that person who suffers. I saw another man who, had, who went after somebody and he lost his business, his wife divorced him, and he lost his health. And I was like, God, why does it come that hard? And we can picture all kinds of people in the Bible that did the same thing. Pharaoh, when he wouldn't let the people of Israel go, His entire nation suffered 10 plagues that destroyed their economy and destroyed their military power because he was stubborn and not going to listen to God. And everybody around him suffered. Be careful when you think that you want a precatory prayer on somebody that you want them to pay desperately for something because others around them will suffer. We want to be very careful that God says that he will avenge the punishment of those uh, the the pain on his children he will be patient ultimately they will face judgment at the white throne judgment when they stand before God and get sent to hell even if we don't see any punishment in this world but they will most often be punished in this world as well we may never see it I was talking to somebody the other day and they were so mad at one of the bosses who said something to them in front of other bosses and he goes they didn't even step in I'm going how could they without making that boss look bad I go hopefully they discipline that boss later on but you will never know whether they did or didn't if they do it right because it is so important God honors the person as well and we know to keep this in mind God is going to do what God is going to do his way and not our way He may say that I'm going to give them mercy and I'm going to be able to grab hold of their life and then they're eventually going to come to me and then I won't have to destroy them. And we're looking at them, well, how God is that fair? (laughs) They never paid for it. Well, Jesus paid for for that one because they came to him. Ultimately, I want to see everybody come to Christ. 
There isn't a person that has ever done anything to me that I feel so angry about that I want to see them go to hell because of what they did to me. Because hell is so bad that I would rather see them get saved and spend eternity in heaven and never have to say thank you, know, apologize to me or anything because they're now in heaven because they came to Christ. Is that the love that we have for other people? Or are we just looking and saying, God, go get them. I can't wait for you to go get them. There are consequences for sin. Oftentimes, we will never see the consequences of people that, for the sin that people do to us. Because it's not our business. Our job is to love them. Our job is to care for them. And I understand that that is probably the easiest thing that we ever have to do as human beings is to love our enemies, right? It, goes, it is right up our nature that we want to love our neighbors. And, I, you know, and I, the answer is no. You know, what do we want? Go get them. They hurt me. They made me feel bad, God. You, you, tear, you tear them limb from limb because they, they deserve it. And yet Jesus says we're to love our enemies. We as Christians are at a call to a much higher standard. That doesn't mean that God won't discipline, won't bring consequences into their life. But my job is not, as a, as, is, as a Christian is not to get excited when they get disciplined. And I can tell you over and over, because it's happened, I've seen it happen, even if people mistreated me, I'm going, God, you know, they, they hurt me, but do what it takes to bring them to you. And I've seen some of them have their lives ripped apart, and I've seen some of them get saved. You know, our job is simply just to love. Let God be your defender. You know, and I can tell you, it took me a long time to learn this. Whenever I tried to defend myself, all I did was make a mess of the situation. You know, uh, I think, I, you know, God, I've got this perfect idea. I'm going to really make this person feel bad about what they did to me. And all I did was stir a hornet's nest and end up getting stung myself. But when I just sit back and say, God, it's in your hands. Number one, do you understand the peace of letting God take care of it? I don't have to worry about it. God is perfect. He is going to do what it takes to get that person. And he will be the right revenge. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. All we need to do is let go. Take our hands off and say, God, it is in your hands. And I understand that that is not easy to do. It takes a lot to learn how to be able to do that. And even when you think you've learned how to do it, somebody will do something so bad that it challenges you to want to be able to do it. But it is letting him be our defender. Just hide in Christ and let him be your defender. And then pray. Pray. And say, God, I just want change my heart. And this is the most important thing. And I've said this many times. When I was younger, I used to pray that God would change others. And what he usually did was change me. So I'm getting into the habit of God change me. And he changes me. And I think in the process he also changes them. But you know what? I'm no longer looking for him to change them. So I don't know for sure whether he's changed them because he's changed my attitude toward them. And maybe he's changed them, but it doesn't matter anymore. Because I'm just going to care for them no matter what. And God changes my heart. So my encouragement for each one of us is let's learn to pray for God to change us, give us more love, give us more caring, give us more compassion for others, give us more 
gumption to go tell people about Christ. If there's something you want to do, learn to pray and ask God for the power to do this because he will give power to do whatever it is he wants you to do. And if you have the desire to start loving people more, a desire to give the gospel out more, desire to be able to see the divine appointments that God is asking you to do, start asking for God to open your eyes. God, give me the strength. Give me the opportunities and lift up your prayers for you to change. Lord, we ask you to be with us today. Lord, if there's anybody listening online that doesn't know you, that we ask today that would be the day that they will accept you and turn their life over to you, recognizing that they're a sinner in need of a God who sacrificed himself for you and say, Lord, I am a sinner. Come into my life and save me. Lord, for all of, those, all of us here listening and also the other ones listening online, that we go, Lord, help us to learn to trust you more to learn to be hiding in you and to let you live through us in all that we do. And we just want to thank you for how much you love and change us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening friends, do you know God? Not just know about him. Today is the day to decide to become his child. God loves you and Jesus came to die for your sins. In Romans 3.23, we are told, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. God says... The penalty for sin is death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We sin and deserve death and hell. However, Romans 5.8 says, But God commended his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you so much, he died for us so that we can be forgiven and have eternal life. How do we do this? Romans 10, 9 through 8 says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Today is that day for you to come to God and truly know him. Do you know him? Do you want to know him? Pray in your own words like this, God, I know that I am a sinner and deserve punishment. I believe that Jesus died to pay my sins. Forgive me and help me to turn from my sins and to live for you. If you have asked this of God and truly believe you are God's child and part of, of his family, we encourage you to do these things. First, tell somebody that you are saved. Second, start reading the Bible each day. We recommend starting with Ephesians and then the Gospel of John. Find a good Bible teaching church. If this is your, your day of salvation, you can contact us and we will send you a booklet to get started on your new life and are available to help you with any questions you have about the Bible. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by mail at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona 86431.